Power Users, Episode 5, Word Processing Mojo. Hello, friends. David Sparks here from MaxSparky.com. Along with me today is my friend Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie? I'm good, David. How are you? Excellent. And I am ready to go with word processing. I think so. It feels like we haven't talked in a while. Yes, that's right. Um, and I, I suppose I should admit off the bat that that is my fault. Um, I've been traveling a little bit for work and actually have had to have postponed this show twice. But don't worry. We got a lot of emails from people. We haven't gone anywhere. We're not going anywhere anytime soon, at least, uh, based on your reaction to the podcast. Um, so we're here, and we're going to try to stick to about two shows a month. No set schedule, but you'll probably hear from us about twice a month. Yes, and actually getting to emails was nice. Means Kitty. that people like us. People like us and they miss us. Yes. But today we're here to talk about word processing. And um, uh, I think it's worthy of its own show, don't you? Okay. Well, this was a, an episode that, you know, in, in perfect honesty, I had some uh, reservations about because I'm like, you know, really a whole show on word processing. But as I've really dug into this and, and done research for the show, I really have have learned a lot more about a lot of these products that we're going to talk about today and perhaps even changed my mind on some of the programs that I use and maybe some other programs that I should be using. I agree. There's some great stuff out there. And the thing is, the reason I want to do the show is because a lot of people, that's their primary form of computing is writing documents. And uh, I thought it's worthy of discussion. So let's start with the 800-pound gorilla, Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word. Uh, this is probably my section, um, I think, because I think we've established that I use Microsoft Word, or perhaps the better term would be used Microsoft Word, for just about all kinds of word processing that I did, you know, short of a little list or, or something that I wasn't planning on keeping. But any letters that I wrote, um, any correspondence, any, you know, serious word processing, I have always done and always used Microsoft Word. Um, dating back years to some of the, well, I used McWrite originally. Do you remember those days? Yes, that really dates you. That does date me. And then after that, um, I started using Microsoft Word and quite frankly, I've been very happy with Microsoft Word on the Mac. And the reason that I started using it or kind of got defaulted into using it, I, I think is a lot of the reasons that other people probably use Microsoft Word. Um, Specifically, I've been in school for a long time, and my college specifically had a Microsoft Word requirement because a lot of things we would do would be in collaborative settings. Uh, the professor would send you Word documents, receive your Word documents, make changes with track changes, and uh, they just laid down in your computer requirement, which my college had, um, you will have this type of computer within these specifications with this software, and always on the list was Microsoft Office and Microsoft Word. Yeah, see, I'm older than you, and there was no requirements for computers because they were pretty rare. I was going to college when the Macs were just coming out, and I, I used Mac right in college. Just as an aside, did you ever use the San Francisco font in Mac right? I did, that? yes. Excellent. That's a true uh, Mac, Macophile, if you remember that font. I went, I went font crazy for about three years. but Chicago any, was another favorite. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so Microsoft Word is a very popular application. I, contrary to popular belief, I don't have any animosity towards Microsoft. I think that they're, uh, they do a lot of good things, and, and the Mac developers at Microsoft are pretty cool people. I've met quite a few of them at Macworld over the years, 
And most of them are Mac users and they're trying to make a great product, but I think they're hinged by the, uh, by the feature glut that Microsoft Word has become. Well, Microsoft in general has typically been all about compatibility with their own products and older versions of their products. You see that with um, a, a lot of the bloat that even the Windows operating system has gotten recently. So I think a lot of what they've done with the Word for the Mac was based on, you know, let's start with the Word for the PC template that we have and then we'll kind of make it pretty and do some other things with it. But it was still basically the underlying type of program. And I think you've seen as Word has evolved over the years, uh, the Mac business unit has really more come into their own and certainly, you know, stay true to their, their PC roots. But, have to, I mean, those, those guys are Mac geeks. Yeah, I think the point with Microsoft Word is the defining value of that whole team is that we are going to make a product that is absolutely 100% compatible with Microsoft Word on Windows. I would agree with that. And quite frankly, that's why I've used it. We've seen the Mac gain significant market share in the last few years. Uh, but in the business world, in the education world, in the corporate world, it is still very much a PC world. Yeah. And they do a very good job at getting that compatibility with Microsoft Word on Windows because it, it that's the whole function of the computer program, in my opinion. In addition to being compatible, it is also compatible with all the features on Microsoft Word for Windows. And I mean, I remember back in the day, it was like, what was it, Microsoft Word, like versions 4 and 5? It was actually a pretty right. good uh, application at the time. I used it on the Windows side. And it didn't have the feature bloat that it does now, but it, it was a very tight little program. It ran nice and clean. And somewhere along the way, it just seemed like it became overwhelming. Well, I think it goes back to just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you must do a thing. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe we're getting to like Photoshop and Photoshop elements where you know we, we could have a word and a, a word light, for lack of a better term, because... Um, I I know I probably don't use 80% of some of the features in Microsoft Word. Yeah, well, when when I boot it up, it, it kind of gives me a headache. So I try not to. But I have used it. I do have it. Um, there are some things about it that I like. Uh, the um, They have very good support for automator scripting if you buy the expensive version. They have their own built-in automator scripts, which are kind of neat if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, they're also very good with mathematics and engineering. Uh, they've got built-in support for equations and things like that that you don't have in Pages and some of the other options on the Macintosh. Um, it's very uh, it's very compatible with Microsoft Word and Windows, of course. And sometimes when I use documents that are pretty complex and they are written in Word to begin with, I have to use Microsoft Word to uh, to edit them. What are the other things you like about Microsoft Word? Um, I like that it's familiar. I like that I'm very used to how it works and how it lays out. But, of course, you can say that I would imagine about any program that you've used for any extensive period of time. Uh, Microsoft Word always felt very comfortable. I can tell you, by contrast, uh, we use WordPerfect at work, and I have hated every minute of it. I mean, I never thought of myself as being a big Microsoft Word fan. I typically just used it by default, but... Man, after using WordPerfect for a couple of years, I'm begging them to get on board uh, and, and upgrade to Microsoft Word. But, oh, go ahead. No, I, I would agree. I, you know, I use Microsoft Word on Windows more than I use it on the Mac, and they really are not familiar with each other. I mean, while the 
programs are compatible, uh, if you look at the the screen, it's very different what you get with Microsoft Word and and Microsoft Windows than you do on Mac OS X. Sure. The uh, and also of course Microsoft has changed the the look of it on Windows with some of the more recent versions. So there's two or three different looks you get on on Windows as well. Yeah, the uh, the Windows versions have got a little more Mac like, haven't they? Haven't they borrowed some cues from the Mac version? Uh, sort of. I mean, it, it's not the same team, and it's definitely not the same look. I mean, they've got that ribbon right. system in the newer versions, and that's not really what they use on the Mac. But there are some similarities. I don't know where which side of the fence that started on, but um, they are similar, but they don't look the same. Uh, you know, what else do you like about Microsoft Word? What else do I like about Microsoft Word? Uh, it works. There is... There's very seldom something that I need to do in a word processing type document that I am not able to do in Microsoft Word. And, and notice I said word processing type document. I don't use Word for web pages like I know some people do. I don't use Word for any kind of desktop publishing. Uh, using it strictly as a word processor, I've yet to come across needing to do something with a word processing document and not being able to do it. Uh, obviously, compatibility is a key issue. I know a lot of people will send around Word documents, and it's almost become a standard format. Uh, I, t- I personally, because I'm on the Mac, tend to send uh, more PDFs if I know I, I want something to be compatible, and I don't want people to change my work, more importantly. Uh, but Word has become, to some degree, almost a universal format that even if the receiver doesn't necessarily have Word, and we'll talk about this a little later in the show, there are a lot of utilities out there, free and otherwise, that can probably open a Word document. Yeah, uh, Word will open just about anything you throw at it. That's true. You can use Word to open a lot of things. The, uh, uh, this, of course, all comes at a cost, though. Yes, there are some bad things about Microsoft Word, and it certainly is, is not, um, not perfect. Um, perhaps the biggest cost is the cost. Um, if you're eligible for, I think they actually call it the Home and Student Edition now, as opposed to it used to be called the Student and Teacher Edition, you could get the Limited Office Suite, which was basically Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and I think Entourage as well, um, for 150 bucks. Otherwise, you're spending three or 400 bucks, depending on which specific version of Office you need. Yeah, and that Automator support I was talking about earlier, that does not come with the Student and Home Edition. Right. And I mean, who wants to spend 400 bucks on a word processor? I mean, granted, you do get Excel and PowerPoint, but. Ugh. Yeah, I think you can buy Microsoft Word alone as well. You but, can, you know. but it's it, I don't believe you can buy it in the home and student package separately by itself. So I, I think it's still more cost effective to buy the more limited home and student package than it is to buy an individual Microsoft Word. Have you ever had any stability problems with Microsoft Word? Um, nothing significant. Um, you know, I, I don't use many things that have macros, and I probably actually have macros turned off. So that in and of itself tends to resolve some of those issues. Most of my problems that I've had with Word have typically been font-related and font corruption, um, trying to install way too many fonts or trying to install third-party fonts that may not be compatible uh, and you'll see that a lot if you have some kind of stall or hang when um, uh, when starting up Word, if you've got some kind of corrupted font. But I guess that's not really Word's fault. What about you? Well, I've got the 2008 edition, and when they first came out with it, and 
through the first couple patches, I was having random crashes where I'd just be working and it would just close. Oh, that's a feature. Yeah. Well, that's unacceptable to me, you know, huh. when I'm writing a document and the, the darn thing just closes. Fortunately, they have a very good um, autosave feature, so I don't think I ever really lost much work, but just to sit there and just watch it close. Sometimes I wouldn't even be touching the keyboard. I'd be reading a book and I'd look up at the screen and it'd be down. Oh. But uh, they fixed it because, you know, that was for the first two or three months after it came out. And since then, I've been religiously applying the updates and I haven't had that much trouble with it. But to be perfectly honest, I don't use Microsoft Word a lot. I use it on those rare occasions when I get some document that's got some strange formatting in it that Pages has trouble with. And uh, I know the document's going to be going back into the Windows world when I'm done with it. One of my biggest complaints with Microsoft Word, and you said that you don't spend much time in it, specifically is the boot time. In fact, ever since uh, Mac OS 10.5 Leopard came out with the Quick Look feature, more often than not, I've used Quick Look to read a quick Word document or get the gist of what this document is saying, rather than opening Microsoft Word because it's been such a resource hog and such a pain. I mean, you're talking 30 seconds to a minute or more to get it to come up and launch and open. That hasn't been as much of a concern recently since I upgraded my computer and, and now I'm running a very modern, pretty fast operating system. Uh, but even on my 2 gigahertz Core 2 Duo MacBook, uh, I, I was having enough wait time and launch that it was um, it was more advantageous for me not to open a Word document whenever possible. Well, I know it's a little slow loading, but when once you get it going, it seems to me like it runs much better than the 2004 version did. Absolutely. Um, you know, Microsoft was slow to adopt the uh, Intel platform, and they were running the 2004 version, I think, entirely. Um, uh, through the interpreter. So through was, Rosetta, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it was really slow. I almost felt like I would type, and there was a noticeable delay between the, the word appearing on the screen. Right. In fact, as a side note, that is why I switched from using Entourage to Apple Mail, is when I made the transition to an Intel machine, um, just because of the slowness when it was running under Rosetta. And then by the time Microsoft finally got their act together with Microsoft 2008, which was a long time after... Apple switched to universal binaries and Intel. Um, you know, by then it was too late. They had lost me. Yeah, I mean, I, I I started word processing in 1983. That's when I first started using a word processor. And I had never had the experience of hitting the key and not having the word show up on the screen at the same moment. And that's what happened in Microsoft Word 2004. I was, it was remarkable. Right. Even on my little 128K original Macintosh, it pretty much typed it when I typed it. Well, I don't want to dwell on that because they did fix it. And uh, the bottom line with Word, I always felt, is it's it's kind of more than I need, almost always. Um, so when do you use Microsoft Word? When do I use it? Um, I will tell you that after researching this episode, I will probably be using it less, less frequently um, than I have in the past. Uh, but I used to use it for just about any kind of correspondence or document, any kind of letter. Uh, if I wanted to um, send, well, mainly mainly for letters and correspondence or for reports. Obviously, when I was in school, um, I used it for outlining. I used it to uh, take notes in class. I used it to write all of my papers. So pretty much any kind of program that I typed in that wasn't email, it, it was in Microsoft Word. 
And so it's getting ready for this show that really converted you off of that that plan? It, it is. You know, I, I, I had heard recently, especially, in, and we'll talk about Pages. Pages has gotten a lot better in the 2009 version. But you would hear about people who would say, um, you know, I just reinstalled my operating system. I just did an erase and install of my Mac. I just upgraded my Mac. And I didn't install Office. And I decided to go without Pages or without Microsoft Office and just use Pages. And those people were saying that, you know, I, I don't miss Office. And I can understand that now. I, you know, Office was almost always one of the first programs that I loaded because I needed that compatibility, especially when I was in school. Uh, it was one of the first programs that I loaded. But I think, you know, now today in the setting that I'm in, where um, because of the way our IT department and our computers are set up at work, I do very little, if almost any, word processing for work at home and quite frankly I have fairly limited personal needs in regards to you know the occasional letter here or there the occasional document okay so I don't care if anybody listens to this episode my work here is done your work is done there you go um, but I do have some some tips just from frustrations in using Microsoft Word that I, I thought I would pass around um, in hopes that those people who are still using Microsoft Word uh, might get some enjoyment from. All right, uh, let's hear it. Um, first, I don't know if it's the default now, but it was out of the box. I think they may have changed it with some of their recent updates. But it used to be by default, once you installed Word 2008, your default save format was as the .docx file. Which, I mean, let's get real. Nobody uses have you ever seen a .docs file floating around? Yeah, I'm starting to get them in relation to my work, and it causes more trouble than anything else because not everybody has it, and some people can't open it, and it's just a mess. So the first thing that I do whenever I install Microsoft Office for myself or anyone else um, is I immediately go into the preferences and change that default file format back to doc rather than docs just for greater compatibility. Uh, no matter what. That makes sense. What what else? Uh, the other thing I do is I turn off the WasaWig font menu in Preferences. And basically what that does is in, in default out of the box in Microsoft Office 2008, it takes a long time to load. And if you look at, at the progress going by across the, the uh, splash screen, a lot of it is related to loading fonts. And what it does is it loads previews of all those fonts so that as you're scrolling down the font menu, you actually get um, in that particular font an example of what that font looks like. So you can look at a font and say, okay, this is a serif, this is a sans serif, this is a fun font, this is a bold font. And I typically, when I'm doing straight documents or letters, I'm kind of a Times New Roman person. I don't need to use fancy fonts and my my mantra pretty much is just say no to Comic Sans. Um, actually received a legal pleading the other day that was done in Comic Sans. David, I kill you. I kid you not. <laughs> I, I would call his client and demand tell him to demand his money back. It it did not. Uh, it was my client. Yeah, it did. It did not um, leave a positive taste in my mouth. So um, I, for special occasions, I do things with fonts, but typically when I'm doing special things, it's not in Microsoft Word. So I turned the WasaWig font menu off, which is also in the preferences, and it has significantly decreased my load time. Okay, you know, I never thought of that, but that makes sense. 
The other thing um, that I did is when Microsoft opened or introed Word 2008, they changed the default formatting to some kind of font. I don't even remember what it was, but it drove me crazy. Um, it it had too much kerning. There was too much spacing. It was it was a kind of a neutral font, but it 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 was a wacky font, and it wasn't a normal font. I didn't think. Um, so one of the first things that I did was change the default style back to the standard Times New Roman so I could just start typing in my document without changing anything. Um, and I, I found a great tip off of uh, macosxhens.com that talks about how to do that. And it, it's pretty easy. Basically what you have to do is you have to open a new document, but, but don't do anything in it. And then go up to the toolbox item in the menu to bring up the formatting palette if it's not already up. And then there's a styles menu that you can expand. And the, the default style that it loads is called normal. So if you click on the arrow next to normal, it will give you options to modify the style. And I think the font that they choose by default is Canberra. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And really all you have to do is click the box and change it to Times New Roman, um, tell it to add it to the template and, and say okay, and you know you should be back to your baseline. There's something about Microsoft and sucky fonts. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Mm. Uh, Arial is something that is my nemesis. I hate Arial. Oh, so I get, um, no, it's not. It's, it's not Arial that I like. No, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, when I was, was, I was a kid in grade school, I used to use Chicago because I learned that, you know, how you had all these, um, you know, your, your teacher would say your, your report must be three pages long. Yeah. And, you know, that was when I learned to modify the uh, use, use Chicago, or I guess now Courier, and uh, modify the uh, margins. And, oh, yeah, they'll never notice that. Yeah, I mean, I've been actually considering buying a Helvetica font for my PC at work out of my own pocket Aww. just because I hate looking at Arial. Yeah, there is something about that that, that does uh, does make you cringe. There's actually a story behind that, and I don't know all the details about when uh, Microsoft was first getting started and what they were doing. And I think they actually commissioned Arial or they bought it because they, they didn't want to spend the money on Helvetica. Uh, they'll quote me on it, but uh, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. I think there's some, some article on it on the web. Right. But, you know, I feel like I've been trashing on Microsoft Word. And, and frankly, there's some people that it works brilliantly for, and I don't take that away from them. If if it does the job for you, then I say go with it. Um, I just do think it's very expensive, and it's got a lot of feature bloat. But if one of those features that it has that nobody else has is what you need to get your work done, like uh, the formula equations and some of those things, then you know go with it. Right. There's other solutions, but Microsoft Word puts it all in one place, and for some people, that's exactly what they need. And for some people, it's you know practically a requirement. But but I I would say this is if you don't own Microsoft Word, it costs you very little to give something else a shot, and it might just work. Yeah. What are the free options uh, in comparison to Microsoft Word? I know you know there's Open Office and some other options. Have you used any of those? Um, the two that I have used is primarily Open Office from OpenOffice.org. Uh, and also to a lesser extent, NeoOffice, which is a, a very similar a similar product to OpenOffice. Um, I'll, I'll focus mainly on OpenOffice because they are quite similar. Um, but it is a free Microsoft Office replacement. 
um, that you can find and download at openoffice.org. I think actually it's uh, Mac or PC compatible. And I think actually if you do the Java update on your PC, you know, one of those boxes where they try to get you to install extra stuff uh, will actually prompt you, do you, do you want to download free OpenOffice? And um, I, I've had a lot of people um, come to me, you know, and, and you hear being part of Mac user groups and being a Mac person, a lot of people will come to you and ask, hey, I really can't afford Microsoft Office. Do you know where I could get a copy or, you know, and, and I, I I don't do that. Um, not a... I don't think that's right. But, you know, anybody who comes to me and says, well, you know, I really need Office, but I, I can't afford to buy it or I don't want to buy it, I immediately send them to Open Office. I can't tell you how many people I've had write me back or come back and say, you know, that really worked. And I, I felt good about not having to do something that may or may not, well, definitely was not the most ethical thing. Um, and in, in my personal tests, it opened every single Word document that I threw at it. And it is a fairly full-featured Word processor. Now, I did have some issues with fonts and formatting, but the text was all there. So if you're really just looking to create and share simple documents or read relatively simple documents, you can probably go pretty far with OpenOffice. Yeah, I always recommend, like you say, people try that first if they're moving to the Mac or if they suddenly find themselves in need of, of good Microsoft Word compatibility. And we're going to talk about Pages in a minute, and that's got its own level of compatibility with Microsoft Word. But, you know, for it's a free option. You download it and try it. And it has a lot of the features that Microsoft Word does. So you may find that that does everything you need, and it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. And frankly... It's more efficient. I mean, in terms of the computer, it seems to run better. Right. So I, I would definitely recommend someone look at that. But I think we should probably move over to the other big word processor on the Mac, and that's that's Apple's Pages. Pages is uh, becoming my new favorite, especially since we've researched the show. How familiar are you with Pages in your everyday life? Well, I I didn't – I don't like to use Microsoft Word, so I use Pages a lot. And – um I have embraced it more as they have developed the program more. I mean, a few versions ago, they didn't have any ability to track changes. And that's something I do quite a bit. You know, whenever I'm doing collaborative work, I'm always tracking changes. Part of my job is, you know, reviewing and changing and modifying contracts and agreements. And there's two or three different people looking at it, and we all want to see what the changes have been made. And uh, up until recently, you had to do that in Microsoft Word. So that was one of the times that I would use Microsoft Word. And I'll tell you, while we're on the topic of track changes, I tested this between uh, Microsoft Word 2008 and the most recent version of Pages, I guess Pages 09, and it worked absolutely flawlessly. Yeah, it's got better with uh, Pages 09. The last, the last version of Pages had track changes, but it didn't always work right. So with the most recent version, I have pretty much abandoned Microsoft Word for that purpose. And frankly, I like the way it tracks changes better. I mean, the format on the screen is more readable and easier to see than the way uh, Microsoft Word does it. Absolutely. But we're kind of getting into the details. I, I think, you know, just to start from the beginning, Pages to me looks like a whole different paradigm. Uh, whoever was behind putting it together, you know, it's got that typical Apple um, philosophy about having a nice, simple interface with the tools showing up as you need them. Uh, have you noticed how the the line under the menu bar changes depending on what you're doing? Right, and on, on depending on what you've clicked on, whether you're on plain text or whether you're on some kind of element. 
And obviously the whole other part to pages, which we're really not going to talk about, is not only is it a word processing, but it's also a really good desktop publishing application. I mean, you're getting two programs for one, and it's the same thing. It can do 90% of the heavy lifting for desktop publishing that a much more expensive program would normally do for you. And for just about everybody, that is more than enough. But it pages loads fast. It's inexpensive. You know, for 79 bucks, you get pages along with the best presentation software on the planet, Keynote. And you get a nice, word pro- a n- nice number cruncher in numbers as well. And it's actually less expensive if you buy pages at the same time that you buy a Mac. I believe it's $40 if you buy yeah, it when a, you buy the Mac. That's a no-brainer there. Uh, it's very accessible. I feel like when I open pages, I've never read a manual on it, but I've been using it for a long time, and I can scream through it. I don't have any trouble getting it to do what I need it to do. And that's uh, just got some real nice features in it. You know, the, the design of the documents and the templates are just really nice and professional looking. They're not kind of clunky like I sometimes feel with some of the stuff they've got in Microsoft Word. Um, and because it's developed by Apple, it's got you know it's got an advantage over anything else on the Apple computing platform. Everything seems to work together. Have you ever tried to write a letter in Pages? I guess you're really just starting to use it now, but next time you need to write a letter to somebody, do this for me. Go into the Pages template and pick a letter template that you like and open it. Then open your address book program. And let's say you're writing a letter to your Aunt Betsy. You drag Aunt Betsy's contact out of address and hold it over the contact in the letter and let go. And it changes. It loads it up. It puts Aunt Betsy's name, her address, everything. I mean, I, it's just nice little touches like that. Right. I have my own you know, personal letterhead with you know, my name at the top and a creative font and my address and other information at the bottom that I've got loaded into a Microsoft Word template. And I've had more problems, just, you know, little minor problems with that here or there. And, you know, one day I was just like, you know, I wonder what would happen if I just copied and pasted this into a header and footer in pages. And it worked flawlessly. And I was able to save it out as a template. And it looks better and is easier to to handle, you know, even when doing just a basic letter or something. You know, Microsoft Office, I, I would for whatever reason, was having problems with it. Yeah. But in contrast to Microsoft Word, with Pages, uh, if you made a list of the features, there aren't as many. That's true. But there are, I think, a lot of features in Pages that people don't necessarily take advantage of. Agreed. But I'm just saying, if there's some certain feature that you want and it's not on that list, you got a problem. Sure. Um, I keep coming back to the equation editor because I got several emails from engineers and, and software people who said, hey, you know, when you talk about word processing, don't forget us math guys. And in pages, there just is no support for it. You'd have to go out and buy a, a separate program. And the one I would recommend for that is one called MathType. And you can get it at, um, well, I'll get you the link in the show. It's D-E-S-S-C-I dot com. But it's, you know, it's... It's 60 bucks for an academic or 100 bucks for a regular license, but it creates all those equations that you can drop in to pages, and that's an additional feature. Well, and the same thing with creating bibliographies and footnotes and endnotes. Uh, well, I believe that the, the program itself is actually called EndNotes. That Apple has, you know, they, they almost breezed over it in their, their keynote saying, oh, yeah, we can do equations and we can do uh, uh, bibliographies and endnoting and footnoting. Um, but then what they kind of breezed over is, well, you got to kind of have this other program, but it does integrate flawlessly with pages. 
Yeah, but if you think about it, if you buy Microsoft Word or, or Microsoft Office at the regular price, you yeah. could probably buy both of these applications with iWork and uh, have a few bucks left over. But you know that, that's just a, that's an example of I think times where maybe Microsoft Word is the appropriate solution for you if it won't work through some of these other free alternatives. But so Pages has got some some feature loss in terms of Microsoft Word. Another thing about Pages is you know their overriding goal is not making every document compatible with Microsoft Word. It has Microsoft Word compatibility built in, but that's not the overall design principle, and that's. A bad thing if you really need pages compa- uh, or word compatibility, but it's a good thing if you want your word processor to be based on something other than being compatible with another program. I have often wished, but I know that Apple would never implement, that if they could do anything with pages, it would be to leave it just like it is, but just give me a little checkbox in the preferences that I can check and say default to a .doc file format. Oh, it's not that hard. Okay, so when no, you're it, it's not a, hard at all. But I part of me wishes that it would. I could make it default to a .dot doc, so I would never have to worry about doing the conversion. Yeah, well, it's gotten easier. The older versions, you actually had to. It was under the export menu. You had right. to export it as a Word doc. Now, when you do a save, you can just do a save as and save it as a .dot doc, and it works fine. Uh, the only time I have uh, exported a document that came out a little funky on the other side was uh, legal pleadings, you know, where we've got boxes and lines and multiple fonts. For some reason, the fonts don't come over always the right side, and that's the one with the page number and everything. Right. Um, But generally, it always works, except for that rare occasion when I do some pleadings. So overall, you're going to have good compatibility with Word. You're not going to have perfect compatibility that you would with Microsoft Word. There are some options to learn more about pages, and this is actually what what really got me interested. Of course, our friend Don McAllister has done some screencasts on pages in the past. But Apple has an excellent tutorial section on their website, and they specifically have a listing of you know more than a dozen mini-movies or mini-tutorials on using pages, and specifically showing you things like how do you create a table of content? How do you use outline mode? How do you go about adding citations and equations? How does track changes work? And, you know, these movies are probably somewhere between two and five minutes each long, but it really opens you up to, you know, wow, I had no idea how easy it was to create a table of contents or to modify styles. I mean, when I was using Microsoft Word, anytime I ever needed a table of contents, which was frequent for some documents, I would always um, make my document, get to my final version, make sure that I had no changes that were going to rearrange the page numbers, and then open up a separate document and manually create a table of contents because it was always a pain to figure out how to do it with Microsoft Office. Uh, But it's really quite easy to do in keeping track of styles and managing styles with pages. It's much more Mac-like, of course. That should come as no surprise. Yeah, I I really like Pages. I mean, I liked it starting with the last release, and I liked even more with the 09 release. I think Apple's really onto something. They they just decided to start over with a word processor, right? And, and it's it's taken them a couple of revisions, but I I think they're very close, and I I really am excited to see what future versions do. Yeah, well, I think that even from the beginning, it was a pretty good program. You know, they've started with the idea of let's make it stable, fast, easy to use. And now they're starting to add on some of the features that people are 
are complaining about the most. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, an equation editor and some of these other things show up in future revisions. Yeah, that would that would make sense to be the next step. Well, there are a lot of tricks you can do in, in pages too. I would second your idea about going to the Apple website. I really like the way Apple is doing these videos anymore on a lot of their applications. Um, they're very well made and it's easy to understand and you can pick the feature that you need and learn that one by itself. Uh, a couple of the features that I really like in Pages is um, the ability to customize your forms out of your address book, like I talked about already. And I really like the the addition of full screen editing that came out with the most recent version. This seems to be a very popular addition that, quite frankly, I never really got. Um, but I guess now, as our screen real estate is getting so much better. You know, right now I've got one, two, three separate applications open and all viewable within my screen. So I, I can see where a little OCD overload and that would come in handy. Yeah, I've got, you know, my problem is, you know, I kind of come across as this guy who's like really anal, has got everything figured out. And it's, in fact, it's just the opposite. You know, I am so easily distracted. And that's why I have all these rules and email systems is because if I don't have it, I will completely go into anarchy in about a day. And <laughs> I would like my, to see that. You know, one of my problems is the menu bar, you know, because I like the menu bar apps, you know, and like I'm sitting here right now and my Tweety icon just turned blue. Oh, someone, someone posted. Yeah. Well, not only that, because my, mine only turns blue when someone mentions my name. So someone has said something about me and it's killing me. Do we need to, to pause the there. program? Yeah, no, I'll get over it. But, you know, and that's why I can't have that stuff open when I'm trying to do word processing and trying to actually work. I just need to have the screen open. I really uh, hearken back to the old days uh, where we really just had the black screen. You know, the old Apple II, you had the green words, the black screen. And, you know, that was great because you could do nothing but work when you had to sit down and work. And I, I really like the fact that they added this to pages because one of the things we'll talk about later a little bit, there's a couple other word processing applications that I use just because of that. Sometimes I needed to buckle down and just write. And there's nothing better than just getting rid of all of the extra stuff and just having the words on the screen and no, no excuse. And uh, so that's really great. I was even thinking about setting up an old Mac SE and using it just as a word processor, you know, completely naked, off the internet, none of that stuff. Yeah, but how do you get your stuff out? It wouldn't be that hard, really. You just need to. It's got a floppy drive, and the SEs use the um, the the higher resolution floppies, and you can buy a USB floppy drive. They still make save those. Save it as a text file. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I still haven't done it yet. A friend of mine gave me one. Gave me his old SE, but I'm having trouble getting it to work. I think the hard drive's got a problem. See, now I think you're looking for reasons to play. Yeah, yeah. How much time would I save? Versus how much time am I going to spend getting this SE working? I think long-term you'd end up spending more getting the SE working. <laughs> oh, I'm certain of it, but it would be so much fun. Anyway, so I really like the fact that Apple has uh, acknowledged the desire of us that are having attention problems and given us this tool to, to keep our minds on our writing. Um, you know, this is the thing about pages that you just keep coming back as to is its ease of use. For instance, if you're dropping a picture in or a diagram into a document, and this doesn't have to be even you know the page layout and uh, stuff we were talking about earlier. I mean, just in your word in your um, pages document, sometimes you want to put a diagram in. I'm frequently in my work stuff. I include diagrams and pictures, you know, my omnigraphal stuff because I think it really helps persuade people and it helps people understand you uh, what you're trying to communicate. Right. So the process of dropping 
a little diagram into a pages document is about a thousand times easier than it is in Word. And, you know, resizing it, moving it, all this stuff, it just, it just happens. You don't even have to think about it. You say, well, why don't I put a little shadow on that? Okay, you just click a button and the inspector and you're off and racing. And it's just not that easy in Microsoft Word. And I just love that. Well, it seems like it's so easy to make things pretty and functional inside pages, whereas in Word, you may have to fight with it a little bit and resize it and center it and no scooch this over and add a couple of spaces, and now you're manually formatting. Um, but with Pages, it just kind of does it. Okay, another new feature in Pages that I think is really nice is the Mail Merge ability. And Mail Merge, this is a subject that has always kind of baffled me in Microsoft Word. Now, granted, I'm sure if I sat down and tried to figure it out, uh, you know, I could, but I haven't had much reason to. But mail merge within pages is very simple. And not just mail merge, you can also do like database merge. If you keep specific types of information uh, inside a numbers document, you can do more than just merge names and addresses. You can merge uh, information if you keep a client list or a contact list, or, and you have a field of where was the last time I saw this person or what type of uh, square footage are they looking for in their house? Yeah, the uh, I think Microsoft Word had always been the king of mail merge. I mean, that was where it happened. You set up a database, set up a Microsoft Word document, put in your keys and set it up. I've done them. Uh, back in the battle days, I used to do even some legal form stuff, combining an Excel spreadsheet and a Microsoft Word document. Ooh. But the problem was every time... I had a new secretary or a new staff person that had to work with it. I had to give up an hour to teach them how to make it work. And with pages, it's just, it's just so easy. And uh, I really think it came into its own when they put the numbers link into it. Because you know a lot of people want to do merges that don't involve address books. Sure. And uh, so now that they've got that in there, it's to me, it's a lot more useful. Well, the possibilities have, now are endless, depending have, on on your specific field and your specific need. Yeah. Another thing I really like about um, uh, the uh, pages is I like the system they use for replacing text. Um, you know, the edit, search, and replace tools I think are more robust than they are in Microsoft Word. And I also really like the way they do proofreading as opposed to grammar checking. Right. That makes sense. Um, well, I mean, I think it really is worthy of more discussion. Microsoft Word, since, I don't know when they added it. I, I remember it going in in about 1992 or so. But they, they put this grammar checking in. And it seemed like a great idea. But it always seemed to me kind of annoying because I know the rules of grammar apparently better than the Microsoft Word program does. I run into that frequently. And it would be telling me something's wrong when it's right, and it just was trouble. So I, I always would inevitably turn it off. And when I started using Pages, I, you know, I saw that they have this proofreader, and I just assumed it was the same thing. But it's not because it doesn't really try to check your grammar so much as look for common proofreading mistakes. You know, the double words and... Um, things like that, but it also looks for, you know, cliched phrases. I can't really put, I'm not really describing it very well, but if you're using Microsoft pages, um, excuse me, (laughs) you're using Apple pages, please go turn on the proofreading the next time you write a document and let it proofread your document for you because it finds things that, that I actually need to help with. I find it useful. 
I've I've seen it in in my limited use. For example, I I imported some documents that I'd previously done in Microsoft Word. Um, you know, my old seminar paper that I did a couple of years ago is my uh, my final project. And all of a sudden, these little underlines kind of showed up, and I'm like, hmm, did I really turn it in with that mistake there and that thing there? And I mean, these were things. Obviously, I do spelling and grammar check in Microsoft Word, and uh, chose to ignore certain things, but Pages definitely picked up on things uh, after the fact. And and all I can say is, uh, sorry about that. Glad I've already got my grade. You know, it's funny. I'm kind of on my own personal jihad against the word actually. Well, actually, I am as well. <laughs> well, I just, in writing especially, whenever I see someone write something to me and they've got the word actually in it, it just, especially in like legal writing or professional writing, it just seems really, you know, poor and it was funny because i actually wrote it actually actually yeah yeah well and there are certain cliches that um i especially as i've been dictating more and my secretary's been typing things for me more that i tend to pick up saying wow i really use the phrase as you know far too often Uh, you know everybody has our favorite words or phrases that we tend to use I, i wish there was a way that you could turn that on and say okay pages underline this in orange every time i say this phrase and if i start seeing way too much orange in my page or something let me know well the interesting thing is when i wrote the word actually recently pages proofreading said hey are you sure you want to use that word <laughs> and i had well, never actually had that i'm not i'd never had that experience with microsoft word where the the grammar checker came up with something where i just wanted to give the computer a big hug and a kiss because this actually was helping me you know, it was it was helping me write better, and I thought that that was a difference that was significant, and it made me want to use pages more often than Word. Obviously, I I agree. I I wish there was a little more customization. You know, Pages is only in its third version. Is it its third version? I think. Yeah. So I I, I think it's really coming to its own, and, and we'll see a lot more good things to come. Now, um, do we want to talk about iWork.com? Yes. Is is Apple seriously? Are they going to do that? Are they going to charge for it? I really think that's just a bad idea. That and if you've noticed, not a word has been said about it. Well, I'm sure they're keeping statistics about how many people use it. Have you ever used it? I used it the day after it was announced, just to kind of see what it was like, and have not touched it since. I think it's a good idea. Um, I'm not sure how big of an idea it's going to be, though, because it depends on people who need collaborative work. Well, you know, I, I pay for a .Mac membership already. I mean, if you want to throw that in my .Doc membership, .Mac, or mobile me, if you want to throw that in my mobile me membership, that would be great. But, eh. Well, why don't you tell everybody what it is a little bit, so if someone's listening, they've never heard of it before. Okay, I, iWork.com, which um, is actually not referenced very much on the Apple website anymore, so maybe that's a sign, is an online collaboration storage place um, for iWork documents, such as pages and keynote and uh, desktop publishing type documents and numbers documents, with the idea being that you share your document up to iWork.com, and you get a uh, username and password, which can also be your Apple ID and password. Um, and it will send off, you know, just like if you if you share movies or uh, share photos up on your .Mac account, 
send off a, a, an email where you can send someone a link to say, hey, I, I want you to view this page or this iWork document that I created. And whether or not that person actually has pages or numbers or Keynote installed on their computer, they can look at the information that you've put up there. They can make comments and suggestions and to some extent corrections. And you'll see that when you when you log back in and you can you can choose to have it download the document or I believe it will also actually email you a copy when there are changes. Yeah. There's a little more to it, though. Once you upload a document to iWork.com, then the person, the recipient, gets this email. And they can be on Windows or Mac. It doesn't matter. I don't know how it works with Linux, but I would presume it would be the same. And they can then download the document however you allow them to. Right. So, for instance, they, if, they've, if they've got a Mac and they want it in iWork and you set it up that way, they can download the actual iWork file. Or they could download it as a Microsoft Word file which is kind of neat, you know, and it's got the same um, save as function as pages does. So, you know, it's going to look as good as it would as if you just exported it and sent them the email, or you can just limit it to a PDF version. And the thing about it that I think is kind of troublesome is that it's not like track changes. If someone wants to go in, they actually put sticky comments on the, on the document. That's a little distracting. But also, it's not really truly collaborative in that effect, unless you have them download it and then re-email it to you. Then what's the point? But so you know, someone can put a sticky on and say, "I don't like this paragraph. You should change it." Whereas if you're doing a collaborative effort and you're using track changes, they could actually rewrite the paragraph and then send it back to you, and you could accept the changes or not accept the changes. But either way, you don't have to duplicate that effort. Uh, getting ready for this show, however, I kind of spent some time playing with it, and I sent some documents to some clients. Uh, you know, I let clients a lot of times with important documents and and pleadings and pieces of a case. I will send them a couple slides from Keynote, or I will send them a document. And say, look, this is what I'm sending, and a lot of times it's just to make sure I got all the facts right or whatever. You know, but I don't let them edit the documents. Obviously, I write it, and you're paying me. That's my job. You know, so. Actually, in that way, I'm going to use the word actually about 100 times. I, I'm counting now. We'll, yeah, we'll do a my, count. My point was I don't like to use it in my writing, but apparently it's in my natural. And, that, and that's my problem because I use it in my speaking so often that when I write, it starts coming out and I have to stop it. You know, I have to search and make sure I don't do it. But getting back to the point. So I want to be able to send them something and let them comment on it. And for that purpose, iWork.com is perfect because they can put a sticky in there and say, oh, no, they, you know, that person didn't say this on this date. He said it on that date. And it's a sticky, so they're not going and editing my document, but they are giving me good feedback. And I'm going to try and use it more often because I think it would be kind of helpful for that stuff. And since a lot of people I work with don't have Macs and I work a lot in pages and Keynote and Numbers, it's a good way for them to see what I'm doing and have the benefit of that without me having to explain to them how to open a pages document or have to deal with incompatibility issues. Well, so, I guess two questions I would have to that. Number one, do people really get it? I could see myself sending someone an invitation to share a document on iWork.com. They'd be like, what? What is this? What are, what are you doing? Can't you just email this to me? Well, we'll see. I'm going to try it, and uh, I'll report back. Yeah. And then the the other issue I have is, is it worth it when you have to pay for it? 
That is a good question. <laughs> when it's free, it's it's easy to try, and uh, we'll see. You know, they talked about when they released it that this is going to be a paid for service at some point, but I just don't know. And I I travel with a lot of Mac geeks. I don't know anybody that's really adopted this aggressively, and I can't imagine that the numbers are real huge. And you know, I could see Apple abandoning it before they they started charging for a service that they have such low subscribers on. Well, they certainly haven't done anything with it. Um, so besides seeing them abandon it, I would rather see them merge it into Mobile Me because you know what? If it was free, I might use it. And if it was right up there in my Mobile Me account, I might. But uh, no, otherwise, I'm I'm done with that. Yeah, but you, it's free to you right now, and you're not using it. That's true. That's very true. Is it going to be one of those things like email to my mom? This is how email works to my mom. I send her an email. I call her up and tell her she has an email, and she says, that great, but she does not open it. Then I drive an hour to her house. I open the email, and I show it to her. <laughs> Maybe that's what iWork's going to be. I'm going to have to go over and tell people how to open the file. Uh, it's not that difficult, really. And if you give someone a call and say, hey, I just sent you this thing, you can open it, and you can see the slides that we're going to be using tomorrow. Take a look at them and let me know. Uh, I can see that being useful. Okay, so... Uh, pages versus Word. We've kind of gone through uh, the good, bad, and the ugly of the two applications. Uh, my takeaway on it is really use Pages unless you have to use Word. I think that's fair, especially after uh, my experimenting with Pages and specifically in preparation for this episode. Um, I think you know the next time I have to reload my hard drive, which will be when Snow Leopard comes, I don't think I'm going to install Microsoft Office right away. I'm going to see just how long I can go without it. Yeah, I keep it on because there's going to be that one instance where I really need it, and I need it right away, and I don't have time to stop and install it. But okay, that's it, probably true. But it doesn't get booted up very often at all. I, I think I boot it up more to install the the updates than I do to actually use it. Now, that is true. Uh, there seems to be a, a Microsoft Office update every other week, and... If you haven't updated in a while, you need to because there have been some pretty significant security issues that have been patched recently. Yeah, but you know, I think that that's just Microsoft's philosophy. They do a lot of updates and they do frequent patches. I don't really hold that against them, but the fact is that's that seems to be the times that I I load Microsoft Word these days, because, especially since they fixed track changes in Pages and made it um, more compatible. Then that was my primary reason for using it before. So those are the, the conventional uh, options if you want to be doing word processing on your Mac. But there are some unconventional ones and a couple that I'm really excited about. And by far, my favorite word processing application on any platform is Scrivener. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it. I think you've been the evangelist for Scrivener. And I've, I've seen some people talk about it on Twitter. But I'm very curious to learn more about this. Now, Scrivener is at literatureandlatte.com. And it was developed as a novel writing tool. And if you go to the website, they've got all these testimonials from script writers and novel writers. And it's really what I call a writing tool more than a word processor. And first of all, you can download a th for three free 30-day trial. And I recommend anybody who has any interest in this to go do it once this show is over and just try it. Okay. Because uh, I can't really do it justice until you use it. But it's a $40 app. And the way it works is, it, you know, most word processors, you open it up, you got a blank screen, you got a cursor. And if you want to write something, you're supposed to just start with word wanting and start going. 
Scrivener takes a much more, I guess, holistic approach. It's a program that's a word processor, but built into it is an outliner and um, character development tools and research tools. So anytime you're writing anything that requires any degree of thinking or planning, Scrivener is the perfect tool. And for instance, when I write a legal brief, you know, I do a lot of research. I mean, one not so closely held secret is that attorneys plagiarize like crazy. You know, most of my job is, you know, I go and I look up cases and I do all this research. I read statutes and I guess it's not really plagiarizing, but I take existing published case law and I use that in making my arguments. Well, hey, if you know it works. Well, I mean, it's actually authoritative and it helps. So, you know, in Scrivener, when I'm writing something, I will have research tabs. And if you look at the left side of the screen when you're in Scrivener, it's got a little column there with a research button in different you know, categories. And you can create as many of these, nest them, put them in folders, do whatever you want. So I've got all these buttons on the side. As I do my research, everything gets drugged into Scrivener. And even before I write a single word of a brief or a contract or a letter, I have you know, a pile of research collected in this one tool. So everything is done within one application. Now, when you save an individual document, if you save uh, Katie's contract, is it going to save the document as well as all your associated research, or do you have this library that this stuff is saved in as a group? Well, it's, a, it's really a package, I think, if you take it apart. But all of this stuff goes into one save file. And, you know, one of my gripes with Scrivener is opening a new file is kind of tedious because you have to pick the location and name the file before it even gives you the screen. Um, so it's really people, not the type of program that you may pop open just to type something that you need to remember for a short period of time. Like, I know I'll, I'll pop open if I'm on the phone with somebody, uh, a word processor, just to take notes and may or may not save those notes later. No, it's not that kind of program. And for something like that, I'd use text edit or pages. But this is really something, it's a writing tool. And if you're going to do something that requires research or development or analysis, this is the tool you want to use. I mean, whether the final product is one page or, you know, a thousand page novel, um, Scrivener can handle it. And it really doesn't, you know, it it doesn't have a lot of the fancy uh, issues in terms of like underlining and bolding. It's got some font features and whatnot, but it's really about the words. And it's got some formatting in there, but the the whole point of this thing is to get your research in one place, get your thoughts together about what you want to write, what order you want to put in it. Like one of the functions it has is once you start having your research or your outline together, it gives you a, a virtual corkboard, and it takes the points you have and it makes a little index card for each one and it puts it up on this corkboard on your Mac. It's the coolest thing. And you can start dragging them around on the screen and ordering them however you want to, and that automatically converts into the outline if you want. Or it can, you can use it for the words, you know, for your actual writing. Uh, I used to do that back in the day, you know, when I didn't really have a, a computer. So I'd stick um, um, note cards on the wall or a desk and sort them that way. So it's very easy for me because that's the way I learned to write. Right. But it's just a great tool, you know. It's got um, an outlining tool. It's got keyword functions. And then when you finally do get down to it in your writing, it's got a full screen function. So, you know, so no up Twitter screen. distractions. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and the thing about this is, you know, when you need to write something important, a lot of times people jump right into um, writing the document and they don't spend enough time getting ready. 
And I always felt like um, writing well requires you to be ready to start writing. And a lot of times you're not ready to start the moment you sit down. You have to do some thinking about how you're going to lay it out. I was uh, looking the other day, a friend of mine was telling me how he was hung up writing the introduction. He was working on something for work and he says, I can't get past the introduction. I'm like, well, you know, the introduction is the last thing I write. Sure. He says, what, you know, what it, do you it mean? It should be an overall summary of what you've talked about. Yeah. I don't know what my introduction is going to say until I'm done. I, a lot of times I, you know, I start with some nuts and bolts detail in the middle of the thing that I know exactly what I want to say with. But really what I start with is I do all the research and then I do an outline and then I can start building it up from there. And with the way Scrivener set up, you actually have a separate module for each argument or each point or each heading that you want. So you can work on them as you wish and you can drag them around and reorder them. Um, it's just an excellent pro tool. I know it was developed for novel writing, but uh, I think for legal writing, it's outstanding. I think for business writing, it's outstanding. For anything that requires you to get your act together and you know, give some thought to what you want to write and how you want to develop it. It's just a writer's tool. And for me, it was really eye-opening when I started using it because I had gotten into the habit that you know, a word processor was a document that you sat down and started typing at. And I never really thought, well, hey, I have this great computer. How is it going to help me write better? And Scrivener to me is a program where somebody just threw out the existing paradigm and said, okay, let's help people write better. And uh, so I think it's a great app for 40 bucks. I think it's the biggest steal on the Mac, period. Now, how do you get your stuff out of Scrivener? Um, it, it exports as a text file. So uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can export the individual modules. You can export the entire thing. Uh, depending on what I'm up to, uh, for personal stuff, a lot of times I just export it for myself or I can even just... I mean, there's a view where you can see everything on the screen at once. I'll just highlight it all and just paste it into a pages document, uh, and then I'm off. You know, then I'm then I'm at the last edit at that point. And um, or at work, a lot of times I'll export it as a text file and just send it to my secretary, and then she'll put it into Microsoft Word, where we, which is what we run on our office network. So you know, the the final formatting. It's not a great tool for formatting, but you know what. There's a little program called Pages that's got its own, you know, page layout program built into it. So if you put Scrivener and Pages together, um, you have got a very powerful word processing system. So we've talked a little bit about OpenOffice. We've talked about Scrivener. We've talked about the two big ones in the Mac field, uh, Word and Pages. Are there any other programs that you use just to word process? The um, Write Room is the one I was referring to earlier. Okay. And uh, Write Room is an application that is solely developed for distraction-free writing. It's a, um, you know, it, the screen turns black and it gives you those familiar green letters. And I still use it on occasion um, if I need to work on something short. Sometimes I do some of the Max Sparky blog posts in it. Because once again, it's distraction-free and it's a, a great little app. And it kind of reminds me of the old days, you know, so I kind of like it that for that reason. But if it's if it's something that's going to require any degree of research or development, I do it in Scrivener. Otherwise, sometimes I'll do rough text in Write Room. The other thing I find for Write Room that's very helpful is I do a lot of dictation, and uh, Mac Speech Dictate for me seems to work really well in Write Room because the words just scroll down the screen as I type. One of the nice features in Write Room is that it keeps the, the cursor in the middle of the screen, so that's really great when you're dictating. You can see the words scrolling up, and you still have a little room to work. You ever use that one? Uh, I've seen it. I have not used it personally, 
Maybe I will some more. But one thing you you did talk about that I thought was interesting is max speech dictate, and I think we'll get a little more into that later. But we've got these these base documents that we use, whether it be uh, Microsoft Word, whether it be Scrivener, whether it be Pages. But like anything or any good thing on the Mac, there's also all this great third-party shareware and third-party utilities that you can then use to enhance your experience within any given app. Yes. I know two that, that we share in common is both Text Expander and Mac Speech Dictate, so I thought we should probably spend a little time discussing those. Yeah, Text Expander we've talked about in prior shows, and uh, my love affair continues. Right. Uh, one thing I, I do want to point out, and I think you pointed it out in the notes as well, is I tried, I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to use Text Expander basically as like a mail merge, and I'm going to do these big documents with Text Expander, and it's going to be great, and all I'm going to have to do is fill in the name and, and all of this other information. Um, but that's really, really not the purpose of Text Expander, I think. Um, I think it's it's much more useful for what it was designed for, which is little blurbs. Yeah, I, uh, I have abused Text Expander, <laughs> for lack of a better word. I, I've, I've put some long-form stuff together where you type a few words and it spits out like an eight-page contract. Right. And, you know, there's a couple of problems I run into. First is it, it just doesn't really work for what I do because very rarely do I do two things that are that similar over again. So the amount of time I spend setting it up is is wasted and and you're right it just doesn't seem right using that text expander for that purpose i know a lot of people do but um i I find it very useful though for uh the small search and replace stuff like text expander has some nice libraries uh, on their website that are spell check libraries and it looks at commonly misspelled words they've got one on there that's really large i forget i think it's the one from tidbits but i'm not sure but you know it's great because it it works in every word processor because text expander applies all throughout OS 10. So whether you're writing in text edit or pages or Scrivener or whatever, it, it will fix that for you. And you can set up your own. I find that, you know, they, things like the, I, I typically end up typing H E T or, um, I'll end up typing foe instead of of, um, just in my typing. But one thing I do very commonly is when I'm typing a contraction and I meant to go like um, I apostrophe LL, more often than not, my finger won't get off the shift key fast enough and I'll hit um, I quotation mark LL. And I've programmed specific text expander templates that are unique to the way that I tend to screw things up um, that will go back and correct them regardless of what program I'm in. Now, if Text Expander could just add a feature where anytime I type the word actually... It would delete it or no. say dummy or... I was thinking more like 110 volts through the keyboard. Oh, we should uh, email Gene. I'm sure they can get to work on that. Yeah, that would that would solve my problem. Max Speech, Dicta- Max Speech Dictate is another great tool. I mentioned it briefly, and we talked about this on the mail show, but um, increasingly I dictate a lot of what I do anymore because I'm getting old and my hands get sore when I type too long. Um, another recent tool that uh, a lot of people may not be aware of is OmniGraph Sketcher. And uh, it's a great little tool by the Omni Group and allows you to make graphs. And, you know, you've always been able to make them in like Excel and Numbers. But this allows you to make presentation style graphs. This is a great app also for Keynote. And uh, I encourage you to check it out. 
um, you know, when you make specific types of diagrams or graphs, a lot of times it's difficult to to add focus to one point on the graph or something without being a real wizard at using numbers. And frankly, some of the stuff you just can't do that Omni Graph Sketcher does. My niece is a science education major, and she was doing a physics uh, test, and she needed a physics uh, report, I'm sorry, and she needed a special type of graph, and she could not figure it out. I sent her the link to this, and she nailed it in like 15 minutes. (laughs) Made me the hero, and that's always a good thing. Always a good thing. Yeah. So I think we've covered a lot of ground, but maybe we should go back and recap what do we use for what? Okay. You want to go first? Well, I'm a little bit boring, um, but I, like I said, I, I typically used to use Microsoft Word for everything um, of any type of substance. If I'm just doing a quick note or need to print something out quickly that's not a formal letter or a document, I'll use text edit for quite a bit of those things. Um, I have since... In, since, I mean, in the last few weeks, transitioned somewhat to using pages uh, more for my everyday writing and everyday documents. Uh, and specifically, although it's a little outside the course of this show, um, I find myself more and more using the desktop publishing features of pages uh, as opposed to a program like Adobe InDesign or, or even for some basic uh, Photoshop or Illustrator type things that I would do mainly when I'm just trying to lay out things in a specific way. Yeah, you know, you mentioned text edit. Another text editor that a lot of people use as a word processor is BB Edit, right? From bare bones, and that that application is really powerful. I mean, it's it's designed for programming and coding, but there are people that use it as a as a word processor. I've played with it in that regard, but. Scrivener really is is the thing for me. It, it really blows my hair back. So it's hard for me to get excited about using anything else for serious writing other than Scrivener. Right. Um, so, and then obviously anything that I use uh, work related, I'm almost always exclusively end up doing in uh, WordPerfect at work because I I try not to blend my my work and my personal life because of the way that that's set up. Uh, but anything that I'm creating um, that I need to collaborate with, which is not as much now as it used to be, uh, is probably still going to be Microsoft Office for me if I still need that cross-platform compatibility. Yeah, for me, for serious writing, it it really is all about Scrivener. And uh, you know that's where I do the writing, and then once I've got the, the product ready, it ends up in Pages or Word. Um, and then... Uh, for using the not so serious stuff, I like to use uh, pages. You know, if I need to knock out a letter, obviously I'm not going to open a Scrivener project for that. I'll write it directly in Pages. For the quick and dirty type stuff, um, I'll probably use Pages um, and occasionally Write Room uh, or a text editor, you know, like Text Edit. But you know, really these days I'm pretty much in Scrivener or Pages. of the time I'm writing. Now, we've only talked on a couple of topics. Um, There are obviously dozens, if if not hundreds, of word processing programs out there that people could use. Yeah, you know, this is actually a good time to discuss this. We have been talking offline. You know, the show, we're very happy with the great numbers we've been getting and the great reviews. 
And frankly, I'm just overwhelmed by it, to be Humbled, honest. Humbled, I think, is, is the word that I would describe yeah. for myself. Yeah, but we are getting emails occasionally after shows. And, you know, people are saying, well, hey, how come you didn't talk about product XYZ? And, you know, even just on this show, I'm thinking like Abbey Word, Mariner Writer. Uh, there's some other applications out there to do word processing on. But the point of our show, I think, really is to go deep on the stuff that we know works. And we're not going to try and cover every application on any given subject. Uh, number one is because I don't think either one of us can afford to buy licenses for all these and or have the time to go deep on each one of these applications. But what I'm looking for with this show is to provide the listeners with um, a deep ex- explanation of the stuff that we know that works. And that's why I think we focus mainly on pages and Word. And I made my plea for Scrivener in this show. Right. And the other thing I, I wanted to to point out to expand on what you said is we make a point of discussing, and we'll discuss this later today, the topic of our next show uh, on every show. And there's typically a, at least a week and sometimes two to three week lead time between shows. And we use that time to do research and we get a lot of great emails during that time. So if you hear us mention on a previous show, you know, next week we're going to be talking about this particular subject and this is a subject that you feel passionately about please, please write in, let us know what you use, why you use it. It may be a product that we're already planning on covering. It may be a product that we may not know exists or not as familiar with. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll go out and get a copy of it and become an expert in it, uh, but we try to include as much of that feedback as we possibly can, if nothing else than just to let people know, oh, hey, listener so-and-so wrote in and said that they use this program for this purpose and this is why they like it. Yeah, and the response to the show has been overwhelmingly positive, but we do get some people um, that have concerns, and usually it falls into one of two categories. The first category is saying you need to cover more, and the other category is you need to cover less. So I think the solution for that is just to kind of go with what we feel strongly about and you know let it roll. Right. And at, at some point, we'll, uh, this podcast will make us rich and famous, and we'll be able to quit our day jobs, and then we can just spend... Uh, you know, 12 hours a day researching this kind of stuff. And you know what's sad? I would actually enjoy that. That would be fun, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, if anybody knows how to make that happen. All ears. Okay, so what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? Well, I think we are going to pull from our own experience. Um, I recently got a brand new 13-inch MacBook Pro, which I love. And then, uh, David, a couple of weeks earlier, you actually got a brand new 13-inch MacBook. So we are going to talk about setting up a new machine. Yes. It's going to be fun. And uh, So if you have uh, thoughts on this topic, if you have tips, if you have tricks, if you have questions, if you have ideas for things that work, if you have had catastrophic failures and know of specific things that don't work, uh, specifically when setting up a new Mac... We want to hear from you. I think another point on that is a lot of the, our listeners are going to be the type of people who are setting up Macs for other people as well. And that's definitely going to be in our outline, you know, talking about when your buddy gets a new Mac and he says, okay, Mr. Mac Geek, come over here and help me out. We'll try and give you some tips to get everything moving faster. Right. And sometimes you would set up a Mac differently for someone else than you would for yourself, especially if you have to support that Mac. Yes. Well, that will be soon, hopefully. We're going to keep on this schedule. We're going to get two shows out a month. That'll be the next one. 
We've already got some ideas for the show after that as well, but we'd love hearing your ideas and your comments. Uh, I think that I even love more getting those iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews are great. Um, we, we've gotten some great reviews up on iTunes and we love getting your emails. I think we've been pretty good about responding to just about all the emails that we get. Uh, but we should probably tell people how they can email us. And the best way to do that is to send an email to feedback at macpowerusers.com. And that email will be sent both to David and I. Sometimes you'll get a response from just one of us. Sometimes you'll get a response from, from both of us. Yes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mac Power Users. And we also have a website where you can pick up our show notes. A lot of people have emailed us asking, hey, what was that program that you talked about and where can I find it? Uh, just about anything that we talk about on the show, we'll have a link to on our show notes on the website. And you can find that at MacPowerUsers.com. Yes. Katie, it was always fun. You know, we, fun as always. We have gone on for uh, almost an hour and a half about word processors. I did not think it was possible. Yes, and if you've lasted this long, just remember, try Scrivener. Yes. Sure, we'll talk all about setting up the email. All right. Until next time. Yeah.